morning and welcome to Grace. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Aren't you thankful for a God this morning that comes into our lives and takes all those broken pieces and makes them whole? You know, a God that transforms and renews our soul, a God that makes us new. Won't you stand this morning and worship with us as we sing? You're pulling me close With love you surround me yeah. You give me hope yeah, yeah, yeah. You're taking me
some of you may have come to church this morning thinking this is going to be the same old thing. I was standing over there and I felt the, the Spirit of God speaking to me. This does not have to be just another Sunday morning service. This does, this does not have to be the same old thing. You're in the presence of Almighty God. And whatever you came with, with the burden in your life, you don't have to leave with it. You can leave transformed and lifted up and delivered. Yet that can happen this morning. I serve a great God. You know, we're beginning the year, and, and everybody, you may be seated. We're beginning the year, and, and, and everyone is like, I'm so glad 2020 is over, and, and they're faced with 2021, and it's kind of a little bit more of the same thing. But that's okay, because I serve a God. He's, he's familiar with the storms of our life. He doesn't scare him. So I put my trust in God. I, I have a testimony for you folks. Then I'm going to give you some scriptural context for it. We were on, my family and I, we were on vacation. We've been blessed to be on vacation all together over the Christmas holidays. We went skiing up in Montana. I didn't. That terrifies me. My, 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 my three children were... The first day, my oldest daughter, who is not skilled at skiing, if you'll fix to find out, within 10 minutes fell and, and fractured her pelvis. What a way to begin a vacation. Well, as they were, you know, I began to pray immediately, and as they were bringing my daughter to the hospital in the next town in, a, in an ambulance, we, we got there, and they stabilized her, and they, they came out. A few hours later and said, you know, the, there's not much we can do for the broken pelvis. She's going to be in pain. But we found something more troubling. And they did a, a blood test on my daughter, and they found that her lipase levels in her, her pancreas were elevated. And they, they may not seem important to you, but your normal range is between 80 and 200 of that particular enzyme. Hers were at 8,000. And she had been having some trouble associating. We didn't know why, but over the last several months, she's been having some trouble in her body, and she didn't understand why she's been to physicians and couldn't understand it. And they were the, the physicians; they were extremely concerned, and they 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 uh, allowed her to go back to our where we were staying at around 10 o'clock that evening. And they said, "We need you back here immediately the next morning, so we can run another blood test. If it hasn't decreased by a thousand or two points, you're we need to send you back to where you're from, and you need to go to the hospital. You need to be hospitalized. This is very serious." So we brought her back the next morning. We prayed for her that evening earnestly. We gathered around her and called on the one that we know that can answer. The one that you turn to first. We went back to the hospital the next morning. And they did the test and they got, his, uh, they got my, uh, my son-in-law's uh, cell number because they wanted to call him immediately whenever the results came in. And, and apparently they came back sooner than, than they expected. And the doctor, the doctor ran to catch them before they exited the building. And he says, I, I can't explain this to you. I, I don't understand what happened. Her lipase levels didn't decrease by a 1,000 or two points. They were back to normal, Sister Michelle. God healed my daughter of something that we didn't even know existed. That's the God that we serve, people. That's who you stand and lift your hands to and worship. That's God. And let me give you the scripture for it. Romans 8, 35 and through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sore. 
as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37. Yet in all these things, broken pelvises and pancreases that aren't working and crazy things that are happening around you, we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors through him that loves us. For I am persuaded, so am I, Paul, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things past or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the God we serve. You can rest easy in the palm of God's hand. You do not have to fear. You do not have to begin this year trembling at the things around you because you've got a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you are able to ask or think. That's the God we serve. Let's lift our voices to God. Let's give Him another hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated again. I, I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, we need to start sharing the things that God does for us. Praise the Lord. Well, good. It was great to see you guys. I got, got a little uh, preachy there for a minute. It's good to see everybody here in a, in a new year. We're glad you're able to join us over the live stream. I believe God's going to do great things in this year. I'm just waiting to see. I, I see opportunity everywhere around us. Uh, if, you are, if you desire to give to hear grace, we appreciate your generosity. There is a beautiful handcrafted box out there that you can slip your gift in right there in the foyer. If you want to give online, you're, you're able to do that through, the, through the, uh, our application on their phone or on our websites. We appreciate that. There are only a few things that I need to make you aware of. We are continuing our 21 days of sacrifice. That ends on January 24th. We, uh, we pray that you take full advantage of this and kind of get your mind right with Christ. Monday, January 11th at 714, we are continuing our United Family prayer time at home. And on Tuesday, January 12th, we are having our morning prayer here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. And if your address has changed in this year, this previous year, please contact the church office. So your yearly contribution statement can be sent to the correct address. How many of you want to worship God? I know I do. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Can we lift our voices to God Almighty? Let's, let's, let's praise the Lord this morning, God.
you for it today, Lord.
today we want to be in your presence but I believe he reciprocates that he wants us to be in his presence there's a wonderful spirit of the Lord moving in this building here today could we reach out and praise the Lord one more time let's praise him hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We sang, fill this place, and he did. It was just that simple. I'm thankful, and I feel very privileged here today to be in the presence of the Lord.
You folks have already gotten all over my message that I want to preach today. You'll understand that in a moment. But I think it'll be okay if I can have you be seated for a moment to do uh, some, some really nice things. Uh, I'd like to really take a moment to applaud our up-and-coming youth group, if you will. Our, I guess, middle school, junior high. Uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful group, a number of our uh, junior high, middle age, uh, middle school age group here at Grace Church, and we're very thankful for that. And uh, But now they're beginning to throw themselves into the will and purpose of God for their lives, and, and they're wanting to engage the kingdom. And by doing so, they're wanting to engage um, things that are going on here in our church services, and I'm very thankful for that. I really appreciate the effort that is being made on Wednesday nights with our uh, middle school, high school, college age group. Our staff is doing a tremendous job meeting with them every Wednesday night at 7.30. And uh, we're very, very excited for what God is doing in our young people. But uh, I've applauded uh, Noah and Eli. Uh, they've played the synthesizer several times. And I need to start rattling some cages because I hadn't seen them up here in a while. I don't know who all that relates to, but whoever it does, we need to see them back. But they do a great job. They do a wonderful, wonderful job. We've heard them speak publicly. We've heard some of our young people speak in front of you publicly. Now they're engaging the media booth. Eli Tears work in the media booth. And I believe this is the very first Sunday for Findlay to work the media booth. And we're very proud of that. Our young junior high and middle school kids, they're doing a great job. Let's give them some appreciation here this morning. Thank the Lord. And then, not to embarrass anybody, but with the permission of her parents, Lainey, would you come stand up here beside me for a moment? Uh, I love this young lady, and I uh, would like to tell her grandparents if they get sick of her, let me know, and I'll be happy to adopt her just right away no problem. She's a beauty. She loves the Lord, and she's certainly committed to his kingdom. Uh, last couple of years, she was a Bible quizzer, and um, uh, we've been very, very proud of her. And uh, I want all of our parents to know that when we, every year that school has started, we've done this for a number of years. We anoint little handkerchiefs, y'all remember that, and we ask them to carry them in their book sacks, uh, their book bags and uh, that God would keep his hand on him and it's working, it's working. I'm happy, I'm happy to announce today that uh, Lainey was the, the eighth grade student of the year in her school. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> student of the year, eighth grade. And from my experience in parenting, Daring and Natalie, that uh, that's the most pain in the neck age on the planet. But anyway, but she's the exception to the rule, and we're very thankful for that. But not only was she student of the year in her school, but she had to go and meet with a panel, I understand, and they asked her 15 questions on attitude, grades, and conduct, and what have you, and she was voted as school of uh, student of the year for West Baton Rouge Parish. And I'm very thankful for that. Isn't that amazing? 
One of our kids. Just one of our kids. I give the Lord credit for keeping his hand on them. And congratulations, Laney. Congratulations, baby. You're doing a great job. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't that amazing? Boy, that made me proud when I got that news. Oh, that made me proud. And I salute uh, Darren and Natalie for doing such a great job. They're a wonderful family. And uh, we love them deeply. And uh, so thankful for all of our kids, but especially for Laney today for such a, what an accomplishment. What an accomplishment. Who knows, that might repeat for another year or two before it's all over with. That'd be great if it did. Thank the Lord. Very happy about that. Thank the Lord. So, if you'll stand again with me this morning, you probably feel like the proverbial yo-yo, but the presence of the Lord has been amazing here today. We welcome all of our guests here today. So glad you're here. Everybody that's at Grace Church on campus today, we welcome you. Uh, we're pretty full here this morning. Very happy about that. This looks like Grace Church of old. Thank the Lord. And we're very, very excited about that. Those of you joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, welcome. And I want to tell everybody that's watching, that's here on campus, from the minute Brother Ben walked to the pulpit today, it's like God fired a shot. He's been very surgical here today. And I've mentioned a few moments ago that you folks have already, just by the way you're responding to the presence of the Lord, you've already gotten into my message, but here we go anyway. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I want to preach to you for a little while today. When you come, come boldly. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord still here. He didn't leave. He's still here. Clap your hands. And thanksgiving to the word of the Lord today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Thank you. And you may be seated. We're all aware of the burden and pressure that accompanies making a grand entrance. It's when the spotlight is on you, when everyone is watching. It's the bride making her grand entrance. It's the politician who comes out to give his or her acceptance speech. It's the child playing his or her first piano recital. It is for most people difficult to stay focused on the task at hand when you're in the spotlight. People become so consumed with doing everything right, they will oftentimes make mistakes that they would not ordinarily make. I'd like for Grace Church to go back with me about 10 years. I believe we as a church were taken back somewhat. Those of you that came from Baker to here, and there's folks here today that remember that. We were kind of taken back with this building. We had our difficulties acclimating to it. If you'll remember, we were a, such a smaller group then 
I ask everybody to sit in these two center sections. Nobody sat way over there and way over there. Everybody did. And uh, even then, it was kind of sparsely populated for a while. And we were kind of had the deer in the headlights kind of stare when we moved to this building. And I remember preaching to you that it's time to forget about the surroundings and get back to the business of church. Good church. Powerful church. It came time to get back to praying and praising and worshiping and preaching like we were accustomed to. The same could be said about the 2016 flood and even the pandemic. And today we've come, we come facing yet another challenge. And that is to come to the realization of what God is calling and setting up our church to become. It is now time to take a I'm going boldly to the throne attitude and posture. It's now time to take I'm going boldly to the throne attitude and posture. It's time for us to accept everything that God wants us to be and be willing to take that journey with Him as He has invited us to come boldly to the throne of grace. And I feel like people are already doing that here this morning. Hallelujah. I remember, and you will, some of you will remember the church in Baker. The aisles were narrow. The altar space up in the front was limited. Uh, everything to me about that building was small. And I remember preaching. Some of you will remember it. I remember preaching right after we moved to this building to take advantage of the wide aisles and all the altar space. Some of you did that this morning. Y'all got ahead of me in my sermon. But uh, it felt like we just had room to roam around this building. Now it seems like as of this morning, this one might be getting just a tad stuffy. We might have to do something else here pretty soon. We'll see if this continues and we pray that it does. And I'm saying that to say that God is once again setting up grace to become a church that can go beyond its vision and its own expectations. I believe that with all of my heart. It's time for us to let God take us to where we've never been before. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody clap your hand. Hallelujah. So first and foremost, I want to preach two points as way of introduction today before I get to my sermon. First of all, there should be no fear. And the second thing I'm going to talk to you about in a moment is we shouldn't be amazed. Hello. Amen. But first of all, today we need an I ain't scared mentality. We need an I'm not scared attitude. I want you to notice something with me here today. You listen to the word of God. When the announcement came for the time for John the Baptist to be born in Luke chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible said there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. If anybody should have expected to birth a child of ministry, it should have been these two people. 
All right, I didn't mean for y'all to get that quiet on me. Both of these people worked in the temple. They were of the line of priests. They, they had priests and ministering in their bloodline. They had, they had everything they needed to perpetuate the hope of a coming Messiah. They were gifted to do it. They were called to do it. Does anybody feel me here today? I'm preaching to Grace Church today. If anybody has the potential of birthing something that can minister to our community and to our area, Grace Church does. And we shouldn't be scared of that. And neither should we be amazed by it. Oh, yes. The, the preach is here, Brother Ben. The preach is it's waiting on us to, to do this. Verse 6, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Do you see the potential here? Bloodline, calling, gifting. Now they were righteous people. And they had no child. Because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. Sounds kind of like Abraham and Sarah. And their posture was kind of like ours. Well, God did that back then, but he can't really do it now. All right. All right. I've been out on the limb before. That's where the fruit is. And it came to pass that while he, Zacharias, executed the priest office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest office, his lot was to burn incense or just to praise the Lord all the time when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying on the outside at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord. There appeared unto him an angel standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell on him. This is not the response God wanted. He was scared. He was shaking in his boots. Maybe his knees were smoting one once against the other. But that's not what God wanted. I don't believe, I can't find Bible for it, but just my opinion. That perhaps Zacharias and Elizabeth thought, we're just going to serve out our years and we're going to be done. But we gave it all we had. No, sir. God had more than that for them. They had never given birth to a child, which is applicable to us pretty much not given birth to our desires and our wishes either. And I know we all preach about all the great things that God has done, but we just heard about a miracle that happened just a few days ago in a condo somewhere or a motel room somewhere that God did something that they didn't even know existed. These, This couple did not I don't want to preach all my message right here, but I will if I have to because I want you to get it. They had no idea that this could happen to us. 
This is the kind of miracle that happens to other people. Well, what do you go to church for every day? Why do you praise the Lord every day then? Why are you faithful to the house of God every day then? If you don't believe this stuff, why are you here? I say let's believe it. Let's jump on board. Let's get a hold of the promise of God and not be scared when God does amazing things in our midst. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, that was John the Baptist's birth, and he changed the world. Oh, yes, he did. He set a precedent, in my opinion, that no one has ever broken. He was the man that Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent taken by force. It's because John the Baptist pretty much forced heaven to do something it didn't plan on doing. This is what these people gave birth to. Somebody hear me today. It's here. There's something here right now. There's something moving right now. Now watch this. Let's go backwards to Luke chapter 5. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the Sea of Galilee, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now I'm going to stop right here. You don't read about all the temple stuff with Mary and Joseph. He was a carpenter. I don't know what she did. Probably nothing. Because she was too young to do a full-time job somewhere. They didn't serve in the temple. So if Zacharias and Elizabeth didn't think they had any potential, how do you think Mary and Joseph felt on birthing something amazing? So you went from temple people to nobody people. Somebody, it is pretty good. I think somebody needs to just shut your mouth because you keep just digging the hole a little bit deeper for God to just show up and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do something with you, though you've never believed it all of your life. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible said, and the angel Gabriel, do you all know who that is? He's the one that's going to blow the trumpet when the rapture takes place. That's a big name from heaven. Outside of God himself, that's probably one of the top dudes you'd want to meet if he's a dude. He appears to this little virgin girl who had no name, don't know anything about her parents, don't know anything about her upbringing. And he comes into her and says, Hail, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee, and blessed art thou among women. I think somebody's starting to get it right now. 
We've lived all of our lives never really giving birth to our desires and seeing our dreams come to pass. And it seems like the past months that it seems like God hadn't done nothing. But God has showed up today at Grace Church saying, I want to do something amazing for you. I just don't want you to be afraid when it happens. Watch this. Watch this. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. What do you mean? You're questioning. You're speaking to one of the top three angels in heaven that we know about. And you're kind of wondering, what is this? Humanity just has a hard time accepting a voice from God at face value. And I kind of understand her position. Because he said, you're going to have a baby. And you're going to name him Jesus. And she says, but I'm not married. It's like one couple in the temple had all the potential, and they never saw nothing. And then you go to this other couple who ain't even married yet, and God tells them they're going to have a baby. And come to find out the two babies are related. So if... uh, said, I'm going to do something amazing in your life. Are you going to start doing this? Or are you going to do what you just sang you're going to do? When he fills us with his presence, we're going to dance till he comes. We're going to dance and shout till he comes. We're going to rejoice in the promise until he comes. I'm here to preach to you today. When you come... Come boldly to the throne of grace because God has a plan for his church. I'm a part of that plan. I'm not preaching to deaf ears. I'm not going to do what I did Wednesday night. Y'all just sat and stared at me. I'm not going to do none of that. You know, it's like Brooke Trout. and oh, I'm not going to do none of that. But I'm here to tell you today, I've mentioned it in last Tuesday night prayer meeting that when Zion travails, sons and daughters are born. We shouldn't be scared of that. Whether you're too old to give birth to a baby or you're not married yet, you're going to give birth. Why couldn't God find a young married couple? Because he didn't want to. He wanted his miracle to be spectacular. He wanted his miracle to be something that nobody could argue with. He wanted his miracle to be divine. And only his name would be stamped on it. Woo! I'm trying to hurry. And when when Mary saw Gabriel, the angel, she was troubled. That's not the response God 
wants to see faith. He wants to see trust. He wants to see confidence. I'm not done yet. We're starting to get it. We're starting to get it. And I applaud the shepherds. They didn't respond right at first, but they ultimately did. Watch this, Luke chapter 2. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And what? And they were not just afraid. I mean bad afraid. Terrified. I get it that they had never seen anything like that before. I get it. But somehow, can it resonate with us today? We have felt the presence of God. We have seen the manifest presence of God. We've seen miracles, signs, and wonders. We all have. So why should it surprise us that God is using this church to birth something that we never believed that he would or could? said unto them fear not for I bring you good tidings of great joy don't be afraid they didn't get it right when the angels came but when they went and saw the baby Jesus they did get it right leaving I'd be good with that today if we don't get it right coming to the throne maybe we'll get it right leaving the throne the Bible said in verse 20 And the shepherds returned back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I want to say for the shepherds, they didn't wait until Jesus was a grown man to worship him. Oh, my Buddy, they got all excited about that newborn babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They knew, they knew, they knew that he didn't have to be a grown man to be God. Let me tell you today, as Grace begins to birth vision and miracles and signs and wonders. We need to return glorifying and praising God even when it's still infantile. Oh, my goodness. So this should be our response. Coming and going, you worship and praise on your way. And you worship and praise when you leave. We must figure out where are we going to sit when our building don't have any more room. And for those of you that arrive what they call fashionably late, you may end up in the foyer. And I don't want to hear you complain about it. Because you could have got here early like everybody else did. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting to see all three of these front row sections right here. 
packed with people because that's the only chair left. I promise you the ones in the back are going to be taken first. And the later arrivers are going to sit right up here. Right there in front of everybody. That's right. That's what's going to happen. That's what we're giving birth to. And I hope nobody is looking at that with any drudgery or disappointment that I'm going to lose my seat. I'm already looking for people that used to sit over here and now they sit over there. And I think they're not here because they're not over there. But when I look around, they're over there. And they go from over here to over there. It's because when you arrive a few minutes late, we don't have reserved seating. I got to hurry, but I just, I can't get past this point. Just can't get past this point. It's just going to be real interesting. Did y'all know the last couple of Sundays? I know we have some chairs. We have some chairs available. But I have seen people stand in the back the last two Sundays trying to figure out where they're going to sit because their seat has been taken by somebody else. Now there's room, but it ain't where you usually sit. I love it when new people come to Grace Church and they just come in early and they sit down. They never give it a thought that they might be taking somebody else's seat. Brother and sister so-and-so has been sitting there for years, and you just took their seat. But they're not going to be rude like the person in Youngstown did one time when we pastored there and tell somebody to get up and move. You're sitting in our seat. I'm glad he thought it was funny. But I had to chuckle. Y'all laughing? Sister Jennifer? Troy and Kara used to sit where you're you and Tony sat right there. Y'all just came in early one night and pushed them all the way back there. They used to sit right there. We want Donnie and Kathy to look Kathy laughing either because they took somebody's seat. Just shoved somebody right on back to the back of the church somewhere. Never even gave it a thought. If you want your chair, get it early. Is that fair? It's promise. It's hope. It's vision that God hasn't walked away from his church and we shouldn't be troubled by it. All right. So not only should we not be afraid, we shouldn't be amazed. I like this part right here. People walked out of here and say, man, that was amazing. I understand it. I understand it. And I don't believe we ought to get so accustomed to the presence of God we take it, take it for granted. But when we birth what God wants us to have, we shouldn't be amazed by that. We should be thankful. But your faith, your faith did that. Your faith made that happen. All right, watch this. No amazement. Jesus was not amazed by his own temple that he came to. Notice this in Luke chapter 2. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year the feast of the Passover. It's funny that Jesus got left by his parents at that feast. It would have implications later on in his life. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. He would have rather been in his temple than with his parents. Buddy, I could do some meddling right there. All these people that leave early to go meet your kids here and there and your mom and dad here and there. Jesus didn't do that. As a matter of fact, he didn't leave early to go anywhere. I think he hid somewhere so they'd leave him and hope they did. 
because he loved being in the house of God. That was his house. Not Mary and Joseph's house. That wasn't his house. The temple was his house. All right, now watch. Mary and Joseph knew not where he was. They, supposing him to have been in the company, went a whole day before they missed their kid. The one that Gabriel told them about. So it came to pass after three days of looking for him. Where did they think he was going to be? Anytime you feel like you've lost God, just come back to church. You'll find him. Buddy, I have not felt this kind of preach. I can't tell you when's the last time I've had. I just, I want to preach all day. Be made for it's all over with. Might be here by myself, but hey, might go for it. And it came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished with his understanding and answers. And when they came to him, Mary and Joseph, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And she, he said unto them, How is it? How is it that you sought me? Don't you remember, Gabriel? You remember that? I'm still that kid. You look at me as 12. I could stop right here and preach 10 minutes. But even when your miracle is only 12 years old, You don't have to wait till it's grown. He was worshipped as an infant. He amazed people when he was 12. And he's still amazing people. Jesus had been left by his parents for three days and he was 12. And he wasn't intimidated. He was in Herod's temple. It wasn't Solomon, but it was still pretty awesome. But he wasn't intimidated by it. He was 12. He was sitting in the midst of doctors, physicians. He's 12. He's not scared. He's not intimidated. But neither is he amazed or astonished. And the doctors and those in the temple were astonished at him. This is what I'm after. I don't want anyone to come and be amazed or astonished by our building or by what we do, by our knowledge and wisdom. But I want people to come here and see the presence of God. And they live here changed healed and full of the Holy Ghost all right that was my introduction and you might want to get nervous the Bible said the 14th day of Adar in the late winter which is early March on our calendar is celebrated the feast of Esther. Now you know where I'm going. The following is an account of the Jewish queen of Persia who became victorious over the evil intentions of Haman, the chief minister of the Persian Empire. Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, the king of the Persian Empire. It was Haman's intention to institute a vast imperial pogrom 
a devastation, a genocide against all the Jews of the Persian Empire. The heroine of the story is a young Jewish Hadassah, is her Jewish name, who came, who because of intracourt intrigue resulted in the demotion of the Persian queen Vashti to permanent exile in the king's harem. This resulted in the selection of a new queen for the emperor. Here we find the intriguing account of the royal selection process of queen making in which Hadassah, now called Esther, with her new Persian name meaning star, used in order to hide her Jewish ancestry and wins the final selection of the highest official role of a woman in Persian politics of the time. Here is the story of how Hashem uses the services of a courageous young girl known for her surpassing beauty and enticing personality to save God's chosen people at a time of threatened extermination. Here we see intense family loyalty to her foster father, her genetic cousin named Mordecai, who raised her from infancy when he challenged her with truth and urgency. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for just such a time as this. So with a prayer to her God, with fasting by her seven handmaidens, and three days of fasting by all the Jews in Shushan. Notice there were no angels appearing here. Esther courageously risked her life in seeking the direct audience of the emperor without imperial invitation in order to save her people all over the empire from death. I want you to notice the biblical description of a Hashuiris palace. The king made a, fee, a feast lasting seven days for all the people who were present in Shushan, the citadel from great to small, and the court of the garden of the king's palace, where were white and blue linen curtains fastened with cords of fine linen and purple on silver rods and marble pillars. And the couches were made of gold and silver on the mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, and white and black marble. And they were served drinks in the golden candlesticks, each vessel being different from the other, with royal wine in abundance. And here are the words which vividly capture the imagination of anybody who reads it. It was truly a wonder of time. It must be noted the Persian concept of imperial domination and was different than prior empires of Assyrians and Babylonians. The, the former Babylonians pursued a policy of deporting populations in the conquering areas and relocating aliens within their land. There were two main reasons for this. Number one, to destroy patriotic resistance movements and to produce a homogenous population throughout the empire by intermingling different customs and cultures. The Persians, on the other hand, actually encouraged the various cultures to keep their own customs, language, and religion as long as they would remain loyal to the Persian Empire and not insist that their ways were exclusively right. In such a society of inclusiveness, the Jewish people still engendered significant hostility. 
They did not believe that their religion was not one of many, but the only one. And that their God was not one of many deities, but he was the only one. The story of Esther gives us insight into the Jewish cultural identity and how at times it was important to hide that identity. At times, official ignorance was used to allow subjects to preserve social harmony unless you were told specifically it was best for you that you did not know. Yet, where there, where is the difference between hiding one's identity and losing that identity altogether? The Jewish people entered Babylonian captivity as a nation. It is here that their Jewish identity disappears and goes underground to fully disappear or to fully reappear in the Persian Empire, not as a nationalistic people, but as a race and a church. It's in this setting we find the book of Esther becomes distinctive. Esther, within the story, is fully a Persian whose life is surrounded by the moors and culture of Persian life. In other words, she lives a life without any cultural identity to the people and to the religious life which she believed. Tradition suggests that within the court, Esther was a vegetarian in the same manner that Daniel and the three Hebrew boys were as they lived in the Babylonian court life. Also, we would have to look at the sexual morality of the life of Esther, living within a harem of other women of Eastern potentate. She managed to keep herself pure. For Esther to remain silent is commendable throughout the first five years of her being queen. Yet there comes a time when we are called to testify and become transparent before the world. So this was Esther's time. God put people in places to be agents of his deliverance. Here, Pastor, today. Yet sometimes he has to act outside the assistance of a willing human agent. Keep in mind, there's no angels being sent to this place. It's only prayer and fasting. As a matter of fact, the word, the book Esther does not contain the word God. It was this idea that triggered Mordecai to say, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knoweth whether God, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Yet for those with eyes that can see and ears that can hear, the hand of God working with his people is unmistakable. Everywhere in the book, the providence of God stands supreme. Does Esther just so happen to be chosen queen? Does Mordecai just so happen to be in a position to thwart a palace coup and to get his name recorded in the king's chronicles? Does it just so happen that the king is unable to sleep one night and he calls for the Chronicles to be read to him? Does it just so happen that the account of Mordecai's actions should be read at this time? The book seems to say that none of this is happenstance. Even when God is silent, there's no angels just praying and fasting. When God is silent, He's still at work to keep his covenant promise with his people.
What if Esther did not exist? Or she did not respond to the calling of God and be willing to give up her life for her people? Let's answer that question. What if within eight years Ahasuerus was assassinated by a courtier named Artabanus? No doubt Ezra, the lawyer and scribe, was alive at the time of Esther. Fifteen years later, under the rule of Artaxerxes I, Esther leads a second group of Jews back to the Holy Land in 458 B.C. Was Artaxerxes I the son of Esther? Was he the son of Esther and Ahasuerus? Without Esther, would Ezra have been killed in the genocide? Without Ezra, would the compilation of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, been completed? Without Esther, would Nehemiah, the governor, have been killed? Would the third migration back to Israel have never occurred? Maybe there would have not been enough Jews to migrate back to the land. Do you think you're important or not? Who knows that God has not called us to the kingdom for just such a time as this. So was Esther important to the redemption of God's chosen people? Without Esther, we would not have a clear picture of how the hand of God works in a pluralistic, segregated, subjugated society as will, as will exist in the end times which we're approaching right now. Also, it shows how God exalts a people who humbles themselves in fasting and in prayer, exalts them over demonic forces which oppress them. So even as queen, she stepped into the throne room of the king with her life, and the life of her people at stake. Had he not extended the golden scepter to her, she would have been killed on the spot. Would she risk her life? And when she appeared that day in the spotlight, in the limelight, as I introduced this sermon with, as she appeared that day, as she appeared, she was not distracted by the beauty of her surroundings. She stayed focused. And when she went to the throne, she went boldly. I think there's a lot of consideration when Jesus said to ask and you shall receive. You remember the story of the widow woman? And because of her importunity, her determination, her refusal to give up, went to an unjust, unjust judge and had her needs met. Sometimes you can't come up from behind like the woman with the issue of blood did. Sometimes when you really feel underneath it and you realize your family may be depending on you, when you realize people around you may be when you have a need met or you have a need that needs to be met and it just, it hasn't just worked to hope. I remind you, if you'll stand with me this morning of Zacharias and Elizabeth. They had all the potential in the world but never believed it could happen to them. Mary and Joseph had no potential and it happened to them. The shepherds, completely blown away by what they saw. They were the congregation that night. Completely blown away. 
What would be your response this morning? If God showed up and said, you know what? That thing you thought impossible, I'm going to make it possible. And in nine months, you're going to have what you've been desiring. All of you that for years have been faithful and steady to the house of God, prayed and fasted, paid your tithes, lived a holy life, but you still have so many things yet unfulfilled. And here's the problem. You feel like you kind of deserve it. You feel a little entitled. But the problem is that you don't believe you have the potential. I'm too old, my time has passed. What if you're Mary and you're brand new? What's God going to do with me? I'm a nobody. What if I'm shepherds, just a member of the congregation, just take care of the flock? I work in the church. I minister here and there. And the funny thing about the shepherds is they never had any hope of giving birth to nothing. They'd just kind of resign themselves to be shepherds. I've never in my life, I can say this honestly, Melanie, never in my life felt so in the will of God as I do right now. There's something in this service today that has set it apart from the last services we've had over the past year. We have to hear what God is saying to the church right now. We have to hear he that hath an ear, let him hear. I'm just asking you people, when something really explodes as big that's going to really impact our lives, don't be afraid and don't be amazed. God had it planned all along. Ghost is sweeping through this building again. I feel it. I know it. This is not a convenient time for you to walk to the throne, Esther. You've been living babied and pampered in the king's harem all of your life virtually. You've been married to the king now for five years, and it's just not the time to start getting stupid with your faith. What you have to understand, Esther, is if you don't do it, your family would perish. But if you do do it, your whole nation will survive. You listen to Pastor today. It's going to reach a point in America where the church will be its only salvation. That's biblical. Only he who now liveth will let to be taken out of the way. Folks, we have to come to the throne today have to come with our shoulders squared our confidence intact our, our hearts are full of faith we're full of hope and promise a little fidgety I get it could thread a sewing machine with it running in a case like this but we've got to do it we've got to do it we don't have a choice so God is calling us I believe he brought everybody here this morning for a purpose. He brought everybody here. You didn't just come to church, as Brother Ben said.
when I heard the story of his, his, his daughter's miracle, Hannah's miracle, I said, you've just paved the way to my message. He said this morning, you've not come to an ordinary service today. You haven't. You've heard the word. I've been lengthy today, and I, I'm kind of sorry, but I'm kind of not. This had to happen today, folks. So as they begin to sing and play, I'm going to ask everybody that will to step out into our big aisles. And we have a lot of room up front. And I'm asking you to come boldly today that God would revive that hope, that promise, that vision. That God would bring you out of a place of carnality back to a place of spirituality. That He'd bring you out of a place of worry and fear to a place of confidence and peace. Come boldly. Come on. You believe what you've just heard? Can something spectacular and magnificent happen to you? You've served long enough, Zacharias. So why should you be afraid when it happens? Kingdom has come. His kingdom has come. Can anybody come boldly? Can anybody come boldly here today? Can you come? Everybody reach, everybody reach, come on. It's, it's come to the throne time. It's, it's come to the throne time. Yes, it is. 